selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You know, <laughs> okay, it's actually just so funny because what I love about Shopify is no matter how huge and massive you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control, yes, daddy, and take your business to the next level because we're business women. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash book club. That's shopify.com slash book club, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash book club. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Celebrity Book Club. Senior oh God, is it is it 10.45 already? You know, I'm going to call Judy. I need, I need to call Judy. We haven't seen each other in weeks. Is Judy there? This is she. Hey, doll. It's, oh. it's June. Hey, doll. Jude, I can't believe... Sorry. I'm, I'm out of my mind today. I, I'm just... I'm running around. I had a hair appointment. Of course I know. Oh. You, and, you and me both. I, it's one of those days where I just... Oh. I, I feel like nine cats in a coffin. I feel like it's Christmas Day, and I'm Jewish, okay? I just went to my dear hairdresser, Sylvia. She's retiring. Oh, no. Oh, Judy. I have to give you my kids were over the other day, and... Oh, at least um, your kids came over. (laughs) Matt has turned into the most wonderful cook. He made duck a l'orange. Oh, Judy. Said, give me the recipe. So in my pen, he laughed at me. Said, Mom, I'm gonna send you a link. Oh, so oh. let me get. I'm get on I my mean, phone. it's a wonder that I've mastered the device that I'm speaking to you on right now. Wouldn't know what to do with it. My goodness. Yeah, maybe between and then between third and second. Yeah, on fourth. I love. I love that place. Ugh. It's called. What is it called? What called? And the waiter. Sarah. Fabulous. Uh, you know, I think he would really get along with Colin. I can't drink too I just, of wine anymore. My oh, eyes become wanted. so puffy. I'm putting on the La Mer. I don't care what they're selling over there at La Mer these days. It's La Mer for me. I, it will bankrupt me. And I told our stockbroker. No, I said, the, Alan, rule of, rule of I thirds. The man's going to find someone 30 years younger in two weeks. Because men can't be alone. I swear to God. You know, no, 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 I'm, God I just, I'm, And I, I apologize. I just have this thing right now where my left ear it feels like it has water in it oh my god you know i need oh my god it's 345 judy um 
Let's get together next week. Yes. Send Let's me your schedule. Yes. Send I'm me have... if you can figure out how to do it. Send me your I'll schedule. I'll move some things around. We gotta make this happen. I oh, love you, doll. I love you, doll. I yeah. miss you. Okay. Kisses. Okay. We'll talk soon. Okay. Mwah. Siri, hang up. Siri. Who's that knocking at the door? It's all your friends, you filthy whore. Your husband's gone, and we've got books and a bottle of wine to kill. It's Hollywood. It's books. It's gossip. I'm shook. It's memoirs. It's martinis. It's Studio 54. It's Celebrity Book Club. Come read it while it's hot. Celebrity Book Club. Tell your secrets, we won't talk. Celebrity Book Club. No boys are allowed. Celebrity Book Club. Club. Buzz me in, I brought the Cuervo. <laughs> hey, best, best friend. friend. <laughs> How the hell are you? How the hell are you? I'm feeling, mm, I don't know, completely psychic spirit is fully in my body. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we should tell our listeners, the we Club should, Kids, what just happened. What just happened backstage was that I asked Lily to guess uh, what my dinner plans were for tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> and I took about two guesses. You said, wait, what was your first guess? First guess? Well, I was like, are well, you were going, like, oh, going to Rolos? Yeah. You were like, in or out. I said, I'm going out. And then you're like, oh, is there some pop-up at Rolos? I was like, no, but it is kind of a special menu. And then literally the next thing. The- I took, But I took a second. I thought a minute and I said, Japanese with Italian influences. Next thing I said. And then the Whisper Room, our studio, it just filled with like ghosts. Yeah. And I was absolutely correct. I started shaking. And- Mind you, I haven't even like seen any little Instagram posts about some no. Japanese chef doing something Italian. No. I did. You surmised from the twinkle in my eye alone. Yes. That there must be a cuisine crossover and that there was some sort of excitement around Arno Mikase that could only be augmented by Italian By Italian food. And I will dishes. say the reason, though, that this even idea is in my mind is because former guest of the pod, Physical Therapy, actually didn't even tell me about this, but told my girlfriend... Um, of the pod, Maya, about Patty Smith's favorite restaurant in San Francisco on a bridge that has Japanese pasta. So oh. that was kind of just, but that was like a week ago. So I was just kind of, I think, that was settling okay. in. But that's just like, you know, energy, it can neither be yes. created nor destroyed. It's only transferred. So like energy is between us and there obviously is some sort of energy happening between us, a chi, if you will. Anyway, I'm going to a nine-course uh, Japanese-Italian tasty menu. It's for my brother's birthday. My mother's graciously paying. Maya also to me was like, wow, Stephen's going away on his like brother's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> when your brother posted his like beer flyer. Yeah. Did not you, to put you on blast. Did you go to my brother's I did, birthday? I did not attend. Sorry, Eric. You did allegedly have bed bugs, so. I guess I thought we were not going to bring that, <laughs> that up on the pod. Mm, no, this is the red table. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because it's like, now, like, you're actually talking about my family and, like, my privacy. Anyway, I don't have bed bugs, but there was a scare. What's also so funny is I was like, oh, I literally said to my, I was like, oh, I feel like Eric is just doing something small and I'm sure Steve and Eric are going to go to a really expensive dinner themselves paid by their mom. <laughs> and you were right. Yeah, and so I was once right. again, Miss Cleo over here, not only did you know we were going to an expensive dinner, yeah. you knew it was going to be Japalian. <laughs> 
and I came to you. I actually came to literally defend your family's <laughs> honor. And then you come and you talk about my home. <laughs> well, no, here's what I'll say. It's like, if you're ashamed of bed bugs, that's on you. Because <laughs> I don't think it's anything to be ashamed of. Well, and that's why I shared it with you and our other dear friends. I was like, I'm not going to live in this like Hell yes. privacy. I'm going to tell you what's going on in my life. And that, yes, I have three mysterious bites on my neck. <laughs> that are now I fading. I don't see anything on your beautiful neck. Speaking of necks, <laughs> <laughs> and other things wrong with my life. Speaking of necks, we read, listened to an, a, an iconic, a really book. iconic book, um, written by one of the most like influential writers of our time of the world like it's literally like Shakespeare and her one of the sort of goaded neurotic white women I think like <laughs> of all history we're of course talking about Nora Ephron and her book I feel bad about my neck so this book came out 2006 Nora Ephron for those of you who don't know because you live under a bulldaria <laughs> yeah um, she wrote this little movie called when Harry met Sally she wrote a little movie <laughs> called sleepless in Seattle she wrote my favorite movie my blue heaven which is a spoof on uh, mob movies. Oh, of course. Which I wanted to tell you to watch, but I felt like it wasn't nice. She wrote the movie that sort of like invented the modern era, which is You've Got Mail. Um, yeah, AOL, check it. Um, Battle of the Sexes, okay? No one does it better than her. She wrote another underrated goaded film called... Hanging up. That's, oh, <laughs> that's and Lisa Goudreau and Meg Ryan. Or they're sisters. They're three sisters. Somehow. And the whole thing is them on like big cell phones and like portable phones being like, I'm hanging up. I gotta go. Because <laughs> it's like their dad is horny and sick and they have to like take care of him, played by Walter Matthau. Ultimately, like half of all movies are about like sisters fighting when their dad is sick. Yeah. <laughs> so. She's, you know, she's the neurotic Woody Yellen type, but she's the Carrie Bradshaw, and she's, like, somewhere deliciously in between, but she's, like, she, you know, Tina Fey, like, so many people, like, have come I mean, every, out of like her, she, like, the modern rom-com era has come out of her. Um, but, but people think of rom-coms as dumb because they're dumb, and the reality is rom-coms are, A, smart and brilliant, B, she's such a keen observer of the human condition. Well, and she's of just, so, she's of such how a clever people wordsmith. how people live. Yes. I mean, and what a lot of people don't know, we found out during this book, I mean, she interned for JFK. John F. F. Kennedy. Kennedy. You know, she started out just in, you know, she wanted to be a, and she She was a journalist. She was a writer. She was a writer. And you know what's funny is why, it's so funny to say the Carrie Bradshaw, because I recently realized she was the Carrie Bradshaw of the 70s and 80s, because I was cleaning for my queer elder, Eileen Miles. And Eileen Miles was telling me that, like, when they first moved to New York, like, they so wanted to be in, like, Nora Ephron's, like, scene. And Nora Ephron was, like, this cool New York magazine writer. And, um, you know, and Eileen was like, oh, I feel like I, like, didn't, like, maybe was at some of those parties, but just, like, couldn't. And I was like, oh, what was Nora Ephron's vibe? And she was like, I was like, was she, like, sex and basically Carrie? And Eileen was like, yeah, like, Nora Ephron was being, like, a little bit guys girl like writing for Esquire at you know she's been married her marriages are iconic first is this 
guy I don't know. They got divorced after like six years. It's then she married literally the Carl Bernstein. Bernstein. Divorce. Like Watergate heard of it. Divorce because he started sleeping with the wife of the British ambassador because he's a dog. <laughs> and then the... she made a movie about it. Heartburn. Yeah. And then literally the British ambassador called her to like discuss and being like, Oh, like our spouses are like sleeping with each other. And she was like, the British ambassador is calling me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then third, she married, and this is why my favorite movie, this came out of this marriage, um, My Blue Heaven, Nicholas Pileggi, who wrote Goodfellas. And so when he was writing Goodfellas, this is so fabulous because people talk about Goodfellas. It's an amazing movie. It's an iconic movie. It's a drama, blah, 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 mafia, blah, blah, blah. She wrote a hilarious movie called My Blue Heaven that's a spoof about Steve Martin being in the mafia and going into the witness protection program where Joan Cusack is like this policewoman that's like always arresting him. And I feel like, and with Rick Moranis and this like actually like kind of like more smart, hilarious. Right, than Goodfellas. Yeah. Which is just like a little basic. It's a little bit I mean, like... I love Goodfellas. Obviously, my entire like style in life is like based on it. But like My Blue Heaven almost more. It's like you can write a drama, but with a comedy then you have to add comedy to it i say this all the time comedy is so much more difficult i think in terms of writing and acting than drama because with drama there's a much broader range of choices you can make as both a writer and actor that will work but with comedy it's quite a bit you of almost a, have to it's do the narrower. same thing it's and quite, then add comedy yeah it's it's quite it's i think the range of choices that will actually be funny i think is a narrower range that you have to work with and uh, now, it's like if it doesn't work that it literally isn't comedy whereas with drama you can kind of say anything and like if it's a good enough actor and the you, you know the cinematographer it, yeah. is good enough and kind of pull it off woman crying blah 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 right. so this book though it's as you said written in 2006 you know it's touches on these marriages and these things but it's really a little more of a just a woman's journey like yeah she's talking about her marriages but it's framed through talking about neck wrinkles and moisturizer and arugula and it's definitely like a a humorous very humorous kind of sedaris that's like meditation on what it means to be an aging woman in society but then she also like gives you a little bit of memoir throughout and she's always like referencing her experiences and her loves and her divorces and lessons that she's learned. And it's absolutely a cultural window into like what it means to be like a urban New York City neurotic, neurotic white woman writer of divorced, Jewish experience, of Jewish experience. <laughs> who I, has a okay, certain amount of money. <laughs> the the book this is what's so funny. This is hilarious. What's hilarious? This is hysterical. I never realized until we read this book that I'd heard of it, of course. I'd seen it on my mother's shelf. I thought I Feel Bad About My Neck was about, like, your neck hurting. And, like, because moms are always so neck surgery Uh, and, like, shoulder surgery. Your mom is actually the one who's the most. You're like, moms are always getting neck surgery. Okay, but lots of moms are being so back surgery (laughs) and shoulder surgery. And I thought it was very, like, oh, this is just mom being like, oh, sweetie, my neck hurts. And it was kind of, like, the guilt over the fact that your neck is always hurting. Oh, sweetie, I can't go to teatro. My neck hurts. You, like, can't go to the play or whatever because your neck hurts. Right, but actually this is more about, like, taking, like, way too many pills. (laughs) but it's actually about wrinkles it is about appearances and vanity (laughs) you had a little bit of like more of kind of this like darker americana painkiller um (laughs) no i mean so you know she starts out reflecting on the wrinkles and i think this book is really also about it's very the the john waters phrase always appreciate 
how you look now because right, 10 years honey, you're not gonna look like that ever again okay you're gonna be like why did i think i was fat i look so young yeah and so the the, the big like device of the book is of course the neck the neck being like the part that absolutely she's like the face lies but the neck tells the truth like the neck sags and gets wrinkly in a way that is so impossible to hide unless you fully get a full facelift now you're one of your great physical impressions that you always did for me was you quoted your mother's friend beep i mean never dox her her name is sue, sue. <laughs> and, 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 and sue goes okay everyone say what kind of plastic surgery they would want she was like my mother's most fabulous friend and then i was like seven at the time and she was like i would want this and she just pulls back the neck basically gives herself like yeah. that little lower doing... that lower facelift and so I've kind of always also wanted that. And that you, remains Yeah, you've my always dream. wanted that. And I think we're at a great time where we still can't. Like, I'm trying to do that impression and not much is happening. But there's also something about definitely a Northeastern woman's neck that gets just thin. The waspy neck gets so crepey and dry and, and wrinkly. Thin. And obviously or or it, the Jewish, the, yeah. the Northeastern Jewish And obviously yeah. if it, there is, you know, a little more like tanness to it, kind of that Irish yeah. it gets a little thinner. So do you moisturize your neck? I don't and I should and I'm always forgetting and I'm in 10 years from now I'm going to look back and say, God damn it, sweetie, why, why would you moisturize your damn neck? And I don't moisturize my neck because I think I have, I have actually have a zit on my neck right now. Even though I've started... It's probably because you don't moisturize. Because what happened... You know what's happening? It creates oil. Yeah. Well, no. I think it's because I pet my little chinny chins. You do pet your chinny and chins. And that's like... Stop. And I'm and also like... I'm so disgusting. I'm washing my hands once a day. I'm touching yeah. like... I'm baking. I'm touching the New York City subway. I'm cooking falafel. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm thrifting. <laughs> like And then I'm like, let me pet my neck. Let me pet my cat and then pet my neck. Yeah, you're in your creepy gingerbread house. <laughs> like you're, <laughs> you've got your cauldron. You're waiting to put the kids in. Um, you're a monster. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, yeah, I will start moisturizing. I think though, like you know, the, the, I was so I related to that so much because I always do do this in the mirror. She was like, you know, you look in the mirror and you pull your neck back and you look at yourself and. We as women, we do this all the time. You know, we're always just like, how do I look? And, you you know, that vanity, it becomes, it's so inescapable. I don't care who you are. I don't care how enlightened you are. You look in the mirror and you're vain. You critique. You critique. I mean, my and thing And you say, that I wish I looked like this. I can't believe I used to look like this. Why I, can't I look like this? I always grab, you know, the love handles mm-hmm. and then I my hips and I push them back. Oh. That's my neck. That's I, what you do. Yeah, I push them back and I say, this is possible. When you're These in the H&M go. dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done, I haven't been in H&M in years. <laughs> okay. Um, I push them back. Okay, so then we kind of get into a little bit of the, the history of her life. And this really almost like gave me chills because it's like seeing your parents really come to fruition. She talks about after her second divorce when the Julia Child cookbook came out. Yeah. And that changed the game. She says, quote, when that happened, every also the pill came out. Everyone started having sex and everyone started cooking. Julia Child and birth control were invented at the same time. Everyone's having sex and then cooking afterwards. And of course the infamous scene in Heartburn where Meryl Streep yeah. cooks the carbonara. The, the carbonara. 
in bed for Jack Nicholson. And, you know, it's like at that time, people were not, it's like, I think like women cooking pasta casually was like this whole new, like sexy revolution. Right. Like, literally, Alison Roman like made merch of that scene. Cause before, I think sp- it was like spaghetti and meatballs. That's like for Italian food. But for like a New York, California woman to say to a guy, I'm going to make you a pantry pasta, like that. Shocking. 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 Well, of course, you know, this was the generation. This is very our parents' generation. But, like, my mom always saying, like, my, honey, my mother cooked bean. Right. And spam you know, and. Bean casseroles out of a can. Like, I didn't know what a fresh vegetable was until I was 24. Right. It's, like, basically, like, all the boomers grew up on, like, canned vegetables and then and the, the gourmet cookbook. And, and so it was, like, yes, they were all, like, we're second wave famous. The racial crossover in this book, how the, the gourmet cookbook was so instrumental. Oh, her mentioning her family chef, Evelyn. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's, like. <laughs> I was, like, so y'all grew up rich. Really rich. No. <laughs> she's very just, like, I and Evelyn would cook. And then my mom bought the gourmet cookbook and started to experiment. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, meals my mother would say, you know, her and my father would, you know, make or make for the friends. It's like they would spend three days making the Peking duck, you know, and it's all very Craig Killiborn. Like they would make like these like small little raviolis stuffed, these, you know, seven course Chinese meals. Was, the, the, the quote, she says, we began to cook neurotically and competitively. I took a course on how to use a Cuisinart food processor. <laughs> I know that. I'm I, I want to go to a class on how to use a Cuisinart. <laughs> but she's doing this thing and it really, you know, it made me think of my parents as well. My parents had a group called Gourmet Club where them and two other couples, one of them had Sue, was Sue of Gourmet Club. They would cook these elaborate meals for each other, and it was absolute competition. They also had their wine tasting group, which just you know still meets, but which is maybe less elaborate. But again, it's the, the it's, gourmet club seemed definitely seemed like more of a competition. The way of just like you know, really like who can go more all out, make the more like it wasn't about necessarily like oh, definitely everything. Like, come over, I'm making like. I think now we're in a little bit more of an age of like I'm making like a, all the braise, right. and like obviously yes. We are trying to impress. And I actually have a note here. I do think we actually are in the competitive stage Absolutely. of cooking in our life. Like yes. where she says, if I actually may pull out this. But the the aesthetic has shifted. Yes. Um, and so like uh, where we're, we're, we've, we're being more. And, you know, Alice Roman is the queen of this of this idea, which is like not trying too hard and have it be family style and have the recipes be more accessible and not like being so, um, you know, like like French technique. And like so these like complex things with so many multiple dishes to prepare right. multiple parts to it. So um, she becomes best friends with this gay guy named Lee Bailey. And, and she becomes absolutely obsessed. And I think he's kind of the proto-Alison Roman, I'll say. Yes, because he's being... So this is after one of her divorces. I became Lee's love slave, culinarily speaking, long before he began to write the series of cookbooks that made him well-known. He had replaced all my previous imaginary friends in the kitchen. Whenever I cooked dinner and anything threatened to go wrong, I could hear him telling me to calm down. It didn't matter. Pour another drink. No one will care, which I feel like is such a... Right. A Roman, I stopped serving hors d'oeuvres, just like Lee, and as a result, my guests were chewing the wood off the walls before dinner, just like wildly neurotic and competitive way. We were looking for applause. We were constantly performing. We were desperate to be 
be all things to all people. Was this the grand climax, the post-World War II domestic counter-revolution, or the beginning of a pathological strain of feminist overreaching? No one knew. We were too busy slicing and dicing. <laughs> and then, basically, he cooks this dinner that's just like a roasted pork, cornbread, beans, and, and crab, crab apples. apples. Rule of four. Rule of four. The mysterious fourth thing. And the fourth thing <laughs> is just like what balances out the meal. And like it, it keeps people coming back for more. It creates this element of bounty. There's so, surprise. Right. And I mean, bounty and surprise are like the two, one, two of the greatest feelings in the world. Um, and so when you see this all there, and it, it seems like it's all being sort of family style. It's not being right. so like... Basically, I'm, also, he's right. He's making this dish that's instead of being like, I'm going to cook the national dish of Brazil where I need to buy like 30 ingredients I yeah. don't have and like this and that to like impress people to be like, what even on earth is this? Like being like, let me do something that's a little bit more manageable and yeah. like delicious. And as you said, I think today, you know, even post her Lee Bailey kind of epiphany, she is still being neurotic and competitive. So are we. When I host yeah. a dinner party, I still want people to be impressed. I want them to be agog at, you know, at the decor, at the friendliness, at the generosity, at the cuteness of it all. Well, especially because, but also talking about the level of cooking where I think sometimes where she says like, you know, I was wrapping things in phyllo. I'm stuffing grape leaves. And yeah, I do. And it's very like, yeah, what are you doing? (laughs) Right. Which, but I do think your 30s kind of is your time to be like, I need to stuff things in grape leaves. I mean, I remember my parents, like my mom, like for gourmet being like, we're doing like the banana leaf rice. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like screaming at my dad, just being like, Doug, get the, I said the wide brim banana leaves. And it's all, you know, I mean, the amount of times I can remember my mom screaming at my dad about a specific type of mushroom. Oh, I, I feel like I've been there before. Like, <laughs> Doug, lion's head, lion's head. <laughs> Celebrity Book Club. This episode is sponsored by ZocDoc. You're trying to find a cause for your symptoms. Achy back, headache, runny nose, itchy eye, wart on my genitals. So let me guess, you stumble down a TikTok rabbit hole full of questionable advice from so-called experts. Suddenly I have cancer? Uh, no thank you. (laughs) There are better ways to get the answers you want and the care you deserve from trusted professionals and not random people on the internet. Though randoms, I love you, and my TikTok addiction, yeah, it stands. But I'm sorry, Lily, you shouldn't be getting medical advice from some girl in her grandmother's basement in Toronto. ZocDoc helps you find expert doctors and medical professionals that specialize in the care you need and deliver the type of experience you want. That's right. Ditch the talk, get the doc. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Mm, I love a trusted guide, like the time I climbed to Machu Picchu on the Inca Trail with a team of Sherpas. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. So find your Sherpa at ZocDoc.com. Go to ZocDoc.com slash book club and download the ZocDoc app for free. 
Then find Enbook, a top-rated doctor today. Slay. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash book club. ZocDoc.com slash book club. Ditch the talk. One, she says around dinner table is the secret to a good dinner party. I kind of desperately want to get around dinner table now. Because uh, it's... Because there's nothing that connotes community and oh, conversation. And I dare you to get around dinner table. But then I'm like, I'm getting rid of my table. It's just like, oh, it's such really a fucking sense. bitch to get in there and assemble and I mean, everything. it's also like, I guess because it's a rectangle. like, But it's still small enough that usually it's two and two. I think you're fine. With my... With, current table with not getting a circular yeah. I've just been kind of dreaming of a circular okay. and thinking about how it would change my life well now here you are saying I'm dreaming of something it's going to change my life and then now all I hear is fear about doors <laughs> right no it's just like why am I letting a door block me maybe instead of painting door? your living room terracotta or whatever that idea was you had the other week I do still want to do what I'm calling the blue room Okay, blue it's room, blue now, brown no table. Terracotta. I'm writing this down, and we're going to circle back to it in a few weeks. Okay. Okay, uh, another thing she says is um, don't serve fish. Fish is too easy to eat. She goes, people eat it, and they're done. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> was kind of crazy. I kind of love, though, because it's like you don't want someone to just be like, oh, three bites, and it's over. It's yes, like, and she was like... Wait, the thing was, she was like, there's nothing worse. It's 10 p.m., oh, and all your guests have gone, and you're sitting alone with a bunch dishes. of dirty dishes. That was... I was chills. Devastating! Just like, yep, they're done, they've left, and you're just... Polish on no, the dishes if, off. If a dinner party isn't lasting till like eleven thirty, where like someone's opening another bottle of wine and that the conversation can be flowing, to flow, you're then it's, sitting, then and then, then being like, "Oh, let's yeah," you know, nobody wants this wham bam, thank you, ma'am, dinner party. Everyone's like, "Ooh, we have to get to bed," and you're like, "Oh, great, like weekday salmon." Yeah, mortifying, mortifying. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a uh, seafood pasta. Yeah, a seafood pasta gives you. Well, she goes. People like to play with their food. And it's yeah, but I think to this like fish. right this one small fillet yeah. that's like so parent, and you're just like small bite Dover sole. Yeah, Dover sole. Um, with a miso like a very quick, quick like, miso, miso glaze. Um, some of her other rules. Oh wait, this is not a dinner party rule, but this is also like the moment your child leaves, change the room. Oh, she was like, it yeah. is not a shrine. And obviously, like, the poster, I mean, I don't have a room anymore. Mm. So I can't move home. Because she says, if you leave it as a shrine to them, it will leave them this open door to not go, like, grow up. They won't. Yeah, they won't grow up. I mean, her whole thing about adolescence is so funny. Just being like, adolescence is like, <laughs> she's like, actually, like, first you realize that adolescence is like a time for, like, your kids to separate from you and to find their own personality and then you realize no the reason that they're so obnoxious is because it lets you separate from them and then you are finally <laughs> yeah. able to cut the cord because you're like wait my wait, kid is so suck. obnoxious and then she's like and get a dog because you need something that's happy to see you oh yeah <laughs> it's so also just everything is such a Nora Ephron movie where she's like 
a harried middle-aged mom carrying a paper bag of groceries and holding with two hands with like a baguette celery pasta and being like, kids, I'm going to make your favorite. And they're running out the door with backpacks being like grabbing like a Snickers being like, sorry, mom, I'm going to Tracy's. Like I have basketball practice. <laughs> and then she just looks at the dog. That's like, <laughs> guess it's just you and me tonight. Oh, and Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Sigh, pours big glass of red wine. <laughs> In her beautiful 10-bedroom doorman apartment on the Upper West Side. Let's get to the Althorpe. The Althorpe. Oh, the Althorpe. Wait, wait, uh, she never thought she could fall in love with a building, but she did. (laughs) So maybe half this book is about the Althorpe, this building she lives in the Upper West Side. It is a. She never thought she'd live in the not cool Upper West Side, she says. Well, but then she has this fun part where she's like, but it, I felt like it was brainy because it wasn't trying to be so hip, which made me feel like more of an egghead professor. Well, I think then, she like, realized that because I think in, you know, in her Esquire New York magazine days, she was like Midtown Upper East, and that's when things were being a little more like cigarettes and like. Upper East Side was cooler, mm. but then 80s, 90s actually feel like become so Woody Allen and Upper West Side and rom-com, and she's like, oh, I'm such an intellectual, and she's like, it's this thing, when people talk about expensive neighborhoods and they're being so, like, shocked, their stuff, she's like, it's crazy. She goes, it had everything I wanted. And it was like, so I could get a newspaper at all hours of the day. Of and all, yeah, and all night, and a 24-hour newsstand, which I need to, like, <laughs> that's a new want for me. I need a 24-hour newsstand. <laughs> I would like to be able to go to get the morning edition yes. and, and not have to trek across Siberia for it. Excuse me. I mean, yeah, obviously, like, I feel like by both of our neighbors, it's, like, impossible to get the New York Times. No, I know. It's like you go to the deli that's four bucks away and it's very, like, is this from today? Yeah, and you're going there and they're like, I think we have it. Okay, so she wants a uh, 24-hour newsstand, um, a Korean grocer, which is right. so sex in the city. So Carrie Bradshaw, I'm to going be like, to the Korean. Going to the Korean. Um, a... Zaybars is a few blocks away. It's like, <laughs> she's like, it's crazy. The store is Zaybars. It's only a few <laughs> blocks away. So this building is absolutely massive. It's an old pre-war. It's got this big, huge courtyard in the middle. It's very, that show, um, Murders in the Building, now on Hulu, starring Steve Martin, Martin Shore. And Haven't Selena seen Gomez. it. I hear really good things. Um, I feel like I'm always hearing like parents being just like, you know, we've been watching murders in the building. I mean, yeah, it's and the it's, most parents. you know, and 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 we like it. I I liked it, and, but yeah. no one is that effusive about it. No one, I think, is obsessed. So this building is, you know, classic, just like very kind of fancy old school, like the crown molding, like parquet floors, like these huge, like five bedroom apartments. She starts renting this five bedroom apartment for 4000 a month or 3000 a month, even in 1982. It's completely insane. And she does this whole thing when they, so they wanted like a down payment of, or like a broker's fee, basically of $24,000. Which she called key money. Yeah, so they wanted key money. 24K and key money. So she said she didn't have 24K, and I was like trying to figure out what year this was, and I was like... It was like late 70s, early 80s. Right, okay, because it was... I mean, I think she means like liquid. No, I knew that I was like, you don't have that. Well, I don't have that right now. I'd have to sell some stocks or like, you know... Oh, I'd have to talk to Todd. Yeah. And you'd have to talk to, to Todd. Todd, and we're gonna figure some things out. You can't just out. put it on your card. No, That's it's not means. like on the. But debit. you certainly have <laughs> the money. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. I want. Okay. So then, at some point, she goes this whole 
thing about the okay a the building rosie o'donnell lived there she describes rosie o'donnell as painting her apartment orange and installing shelves for her collection of happy meal toys psycho lesbian hoarder a the orange is just so so playtime lesbian lesbian clown lesbian clown i mean me but also she's only being hamburglar and that's where i'm not different doll lesbian because i'm not just like no you're not being well that's i mean there's something so the repression around the childhood the childhood toy thing rats and i mean it's just a little too obvious it's like okay you're just trying to recreate childhood and you like you desperately want this like innocence this innocence that you can never get back there is an innocence in mcdonald's but I will say the difference of what makes it a little bit like more alternative and why it's being more lesbian is because it's still hamburglar. So it's like adding the sense of danger that's still like very <laughs> candied. You know what I mean? Like it's still being like, I'm a little badass. <laughs> like so how many, I'm a- how many lesbians right now do you think are engaged in hamburglar play? <laughs> Where As the we speak. where the where the butch is putting on a little like bendito like oh. eye mask. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but she does this insane math of how she can afford this apartment. That's so fabulous. So she's like, "Well, I'm in I'm in love with this place, so I'm going to live there for the rest of my life." So like twenty four thousand divided by like fifty years is actually only like three hundred more a month. Or it's five cappuccinos a day, and I don't even drink cappuccinos. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's just about dividing something by how much time you're going to be using it, which I actually do find helpful when I think about my Margella sweater, which did cost me $100 like a few years ago. I wear that sweater so often, and I'm like, the wear per use on that, like, that. I'm sure it's like down to four bucks, and there's stuff right. that I paid 100 bucks for that I've probably only worn twice. So what's the better deal? You no, know what I, I mean? had to pay key money for my sunken... And I was so for eye roll. Your, for your apartment that you currently live in with a yeah. second living room. Right. But I feel like it's paid itself Oh, it's itself paid itself it's back paid in spades, yes. honey. I mean, just at the very least, all the events you've thrown. Oh, the dinner party, And the dinner party, the, cult, the cultural and social cachet that you've gained. And then, I'm sorry, all the liquor that people are bringing over. Oh, hello. No, I still have a bottle of mezcal I haven't even opened that someone brought for my holiday party. So she rents it for 3000 a month. Then they raise it to like 10k and she's like i just can't do this anymore i can't pay 10k in rent that's insane so i'm gonna buy um how much do you think a five bedroom at the althorp is going for today today i think it's going for 12.4 million you are absolutely correct. There, it is in that range. There okay. is a five bed, six and a half bath. That's five thousand square feet going for eleven nine nine five right now. Okay. There's also a twenty nine hundred square feet that's only going for five three. Huh. Um. And then, what's your idea about rent? Oh, for so it is because there are they're also doing rentals over there. Didn't she say in the book it was going for like forty thousand, or people were paying forty thousand to get an apartment in yeah, key money? In key money. <laughs> <laughs> I think now for rent, it's going for now. I think actually it is going for like seventeen k a month. It's it's yeah, it's twenty five k. Wow, so psycho! Imagine renting an apartment for twenty five thousand dollars a month. Well, that's what it's is like, insane. What she says: if you're renting for twenty five thousand dollars a month, why aren't you buying? Because I mean, I get it if it's like you're Justin Bieber, and so you're just like, well, um, yeah, I want we're, this we're for just, six. I months. want this for six months, but then you're not at the Althorpe. You're not on 123rd. Okay, I was looking at the list of famous people who've lived there. Jennifer Hudson. Oh, I saw that. Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Wait, someone else really funny. 
I wonder, I'm. Mean, it's like, how long was J-Hud in there? That I feel like absolutely a year and a half. Like that feels like. Maybe she was like doing a Broadway show or something. Yes. And wanted to be just like clear On the, the West theater. Side. Just like easy straight shot down. Yeah. Well, so just to a tag on the Rosie O'Donnell thing, which is also so lesbian, like Rosie leaves because like there's so many issues in Rosie's apartment. Like, oh, yeah. I feel like she has like the her washing machine is hooked up to her bathroom. Wait, drain. that was so disgusting, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. "Gross, gross." Queer people actually need to all no, go to jail. I, I, was like, I was like, "Queer people, so disgusting." I'm sure it's so fucking cluttered. There's couches everywhere, and she's got the washing machine connected to the sink. Ew. Well, I don't think it was like a tube to the sink, but it was like running on the same pipe. Oh, I, I think... thought it was one of those like so Bushwick apartments. <laughs> well, I don't think it was so Bushwick where you have the like countertop dishwasher. Well, because remember when our friend wanted me to get a washing machine that connected to my bathtub? Yeah, and I was like, no, Absolutely I'm not. not gonna have a huge washing machine that I bought for like one ninety off market, like Facebook Marketplace, so I can wash like two shirts at a time and then still have to hang dry. Not okay. Not okay. Yeah, an absolute mess. She is a mess. <laughs> okay. Bill Clinton. Um, she hates him because of she what fell he out of did love. to gay people. Wait, that was the most insane MSNBC mom thing <laughs> ever. Because it's just like all MSNBC moms like still love Bill. But she was just like, the Don't Ask, Don't Tell was not okay. Not, I was surprised because I feel like most MSNBC moms like that doesn't actually even really bother them that much. They don't remember it. Yeah. They don't <laughs> no, They're like, care. it was the 90s. I was raising kids. I had a job, I a just, husband. I feel like she probably had some conversation with, with Lee one of, Bailey. With Lee Bailey or <laughs> yeah. a gay friend at a dinner party in 1993. And, and they, it really made it impact on her and she was like wow. and she was so moved wow and i guess you know, bill reached out to her and she was like not a hypocrite wow why don't you tell that war to stop yeah <laughs> how about that no more oil for war <laughs> it's like hell yeah go all the way off oh wait can we quickly discuss some of her beauty Yes. Regiment where, okay, just some really good quotes where she says, I'm never going back to Africa. The last time I was there in 1972, there were no hairdressers in the bush. Never again. That part was insane. <laughs> when she goes, I envy all Asian women. <laughs> Have you ever seen an Asian woman with bad hair? No, you haven't. <laughs> and she's just being like, oh, my dry no, Jewish hair. She could, like, not be, like, more insane, like, misguided MSNBC mom who's, like, at a dinner just being, like, so proud to say that she's anti-Bill Clinton because, right. and then just going up to a reanimation woman going, I love I your love hair. your I hair. I love your I hair. Would, in my next I would, life, like, I want Asian. that hair. <laughs> yeah. I would kill for it. <laughs> I mean, that is me whenever I see any man that has, like, the slightly long hair. I'm just like, I'd kill. I'd kill. I'd kill. And I'm... in my next life, I will. Um, she says to always back up your files after she calls herself a mouse potato, which is someone who spends a lot of time on the computer. Oh, I did love that. I was like, yeah. mm, mouse potato, president accounted for. <laughs> yeah. I did. Okay. Another one of her good things that she does mention is, like, the cultural shift in parenting. I thought that was a very accurate yeah, kind of I diagnosis. Mean, it's the classic, like, we were raised, they said, you know, go out and do whatever, and we were fine. And then the classic helicopter books about parenting came in. She does all of them, and she's like, I don't know, teens And it doesn't make a difference. Like, yeah. your teen still hates you. And I just, I remember, yeah, I remember seeing all those books piled high in my on my mom's, like, 
chaise in her, in her bedroom and just being like, bitch, this isn't going to do anything. I'm still going to hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you being like, ha, 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 ha. No, that, what was the iconic book? Oh, my teen is driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. There was another one that was Help. like, back talk yeah. what it is and how to stop it. <laughs> Okay, wait. So then her JFK story, she's interning for JFK. And like this other girl comes forward to reveal she had an affair. This part is so iconic. And she's just like, well, he never took an interest in me. He saw, I saw him once. He he was leaving the White House to get on Air Force One or like the helicopter. And like the helicopter was so loud. And she goes, and I think he said something like, how is it going? (laughs) And then I just said, What? And then he just walked away. And it's so iconic rom-com. <laughs> like, she's being Slytherin's Jones. But she also is like, well, maybe JFK didn't hook up with me because I'm Jewish. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> just look at the list of everyone else he hooked up with. Just saying. Yeah, just saying. We didn't hook up. <laughs> just funny because, you know, that the most famous hookup, Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky. Is Very she Jewish. Jewish? Monica Lewinsky? Yes. I was to say of you know shifting things you know. You no, like, I know oh, now. Nowadays, the sultry the Jewess is absolutely getting yeah that getting hers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I the end of end of this book uh, absolutely made me cry. Oh my god, I was I literally I moved my car this morning sobbing. It's so touching. You know, she she talks about death and she just has this really poignant way. She she kind of gets into it by discussing like all the other writing about death out there and how so much like magazine writing, which she's, you know, world she's been a part of for so long is always saying like, isn't it great to age? And like, you know, now you really know who you are and great. You know, 65 is the new 75, you know, all these kind of like little aphorisms and like aging women, like she was like, can we write a real thing? It's so this part is so sad, but it is just like thing about aging and you start hearing about everyone's problems and basically her best friend, Gets like oral cancer. Oral cancer, she, like, she and had like a lump on her. She had a lump on her tongue, and then a year later, she was gone. And like she didn't want everyone to know and do a whole thing. And then six years later, Nora Ephron dies. Well, you know what's insane? So and she, she also was, didn't. Really she was tell diagnosed anyone. the year this book came out. So I think that like as she was writing this, okay. she was maybe like she had maybe just found out. And so I was kind of thinking about this as I read this, like, oh, she. I think she like. That's partly what's imbuing this with like so much weight is because, yeah, not only are her friends dying, her best friend just died, but she's like thinking about her own mortality in this way. And she's like even more so because like she just got this diagnosis and because she says she admires her friend Henry who had like macular degeneration or something, but like didn't let on. He had like a really bad cataract, but like didn't tell people. Yeah, it's very. She's admiring that stoicism and just like I know. going on with your life and just living it. Which no I think what. has its like pros and cons to be like, I'm gonna like live my life and not tell anyone. It's actually very the plot of that film, The Farewell. Oh, with Aquafina? Yeah. Which I haven't seen. I mean, she's basically she... about like if you get like cancer, you don't like tell. Because you don't want people to just, like, constantly be, like, and pitying be for you. you and be sad for you and, like, to live life. Because she talks about, like, how you're supposed to have this conversation with friends about what they would want, like, in the, in the event of their death and, like, living will and all this stuff. She goes, but before you get sick, you have absolutely no idea of how you're going to feel once you do. You can imagine you'll be brave, but it's just as possible you'll be terrified. 
You can hope that you'll find a way to accept death, but you could just as easily end up raging against it. You have no idea how your particular prognosis is going to be or how you'll react to it or what options you'll have. You'll have no clue whether you'll even know the truth about your prognosis because the real question is, what is the truth and who is going to tell us and are we even going to want to hear it? Like, that to me is really, I think she's grappling with that herself at that point. No, it made me, like, so scared of, like, death and everything because it's, like, yes, there are obviously things you can prevent, but just, like, being a teenager, it's, like, I don't know, we could all get, like, the most random diagnosis of just, like, lip cancer or whatever at, like, 68, you know? It's, like, nice crapshoot. Life is an absolute crapshoot. And so you have to enjoy it while you can. And, and you know, and make a has. will. Um, our high school emails my sister every single week about writing a will and how they have a will workshop program. It's really insane. I know. And they're like, do you want to write a living will? I mean, I've will? already made my death plan. As you know, I'm going to. We talked about that on a previous yeah. VIP lounge. Um, the part where Judy says when they're talking and Judy's like, I don't want to die. Judy said. I believe in miracles, she said. I love you, she said. Can you believe this, she said. No, I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. But let's not be morbid. Let's put little smiley faces on our faces. LOL. Eat, drink, and be merry. Seize the day. Life goes on. It could be worse. The ever popular consider the alternative. And meanwhile, here we are. What is to be done? I don't know. I hope that's clear. So take this, Nora Efron. Go hunt down the Hungarian casserole you want. Make a meal that's too complicated. Yeah. Regret it. Then, then make, make, a make another one. Then make then simpler. Just, then find yes. your own way to make a meal. And you'll realize maybe it's a combination of the two. Maybe it's some other third thing that you Go don't know Vegas yet. Go to Vegas with your girlfriends. She's like, I don't know if you want, you're supposed to live every day because you're last. You're supposed to save. And it's like, do both. Do it all. Have five cappuccinos. Buy an apartment. Invest, but also spend all your money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely invest. And contact us for stockbroker recommendations. But it is, I don't know, yeah, it is, there is no answer. You know, she talks about the front and Henry as being one of the good ones. It's like he dies at 82. And so we have this thing where we're like, well, if you die in your 80s, you're old, but it's like Nora Ephron. But if you die at like 69 or 71, it's like, oh, it's like, that's what you don't want. And I feel like I have this fear. I have this big fear of dying at 58. But I feel like anything in that 55 to 75 range like feels like a failure. That's like when people are like, he was so, I mean, that's, I feel like what people would always say, which is so like actually kind of like weird to hear about my dad. They'd just be like, oh, he's so young. And you're like, well, he's not. And you're like, he's not that young. But yeah. like, then you're like, oh, well now I'm thinking like it is too young. You're yeah. Kind of, yeah. No, I think the 50 and especially. And if it starts to happen and if you get the, and uh, you know, if you get the prognosis because everyone gets cancer now, like, what are you going to do? You know, and then you, then you'll start to feel like this this sadness and the regret. And she's like, oh, Judy died in the worst way. I mean, yeah, that was like she died in the worst way. It was so sad. I don't know. I keep saying that if I ever get cancer, I just want to move to Sardinia and drink wine and not and kind of live it out and not and live it out. And maybe it'll be one of those stories where it's like, and he lived for forty more years or something. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think it always depends on also like what you get. And you'll never and exactly you'll never know. I mean, you know, my dad had myeloma which is a blood cancer like Nora got oh she got also the same thing it wasn't the exact oh, same okay. thing that he had but it was a I believe it was a blood cancer like leukemia like one of, the, one of something like that and I feel like they than, like, were so cancer. like it's done and then she got like, and now you know over 10 years in remission still building a building a deck he's building a deck 
So you you never know, you never know. and you life have to be grateful crazy. and be so thankful and wake up every day, every day choosing life, choosing life, and screaming um, aphorisms about gratitude out your window, out your gorgeous window outside the anthrop out of your apartment. <laughs> that's ten thousand dollars a month. <laughs> Celebrity book club. Hey, club kids, this week on the VIP Lounge, we talk about Fashion Week, lesbian country music concerts, digging for vintage, oh, and Kobe beef. Bachelor Nation is so, like, cousin-oriented because, and I said this (laughs) before, heterosexual culture is incredibly cousin-oriented. Like, straight people are obsessed with, it's literally cousin nation, straight people are obsessed with being friends with their cousins, knowing their cousins, seeing their cousins, making sure that their kids are hanging out with their cousins' kids. It's very just like, oh, it's just, it's it's a real cousin show over there. To hear the whole thing, go to patreon.com slash cbctheprod and subscribe. You've You've got got segments. segments. How does she live? What does she eat? What does she wear? What does she wear? She's so like... Scarves. Now she's (laughs) also like, sorry, black just works. (laughs) I put on a pair of black slacks and a black turtleneck and I just look amazing. I wear black even when I'm in Los Angeles. Oh my God. No, best thing is she's like, my girlfriend, we went on this whole trip for her to get a purse. And you wouldn't believe it. The purse cost $2,500 plus airfare. Well, the purse I use, she literally describes the Susan, I feel like it is a Susan Alexandra purse. She gets like a Metro card purse. Oh, but she gets it at the Transit Museum. Yes. <laughs> and she goes, and people always stop it and they say, where'd you get that? And I say... The Transportation Museum. <laughs> and my $25 went to oh, preserving, no, preserving transportation history. To helping, <laughs> no, but she's like, and to helping improve the greatest subway system <laughs> oh, in the yeah. world and making it even better. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. If it was never in style, can't go out of style. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, she's a fabulous upper, upper Manhattan woman. Wooden. I think she has, like, a little pair of, like, Nike shocks that she, like, wears to go to the Korean, but, like, is usually in more of, like, a... It's just like a blue sweater and a black sweater and like... But I feel like she's saying that she hate, hates evening bags, so she's like not being so heels. And I think she's being more flats. Yeah, I mean, does she have a pair of... Maybe has some kitten heels that she's like worn to the Oscars. But I think it's like she is a mouse potato. Like it is a little more like she comfort. Yeah. And she has, like, obviously so many slippers. And like she's getting a lot of slippers And like maybe for some holidays. lower piano sweaters like stunning cashmere sweaters but she's also random and she's still like very manhattan in the way where she is going to bloomingdale's and she's going to zito mare and like that's what i'm saying like being like laura piana like is getting like a cashmere sweater going to bloomingdale's picking up a few things picking up some prescriptions errands is there any kind of joy than doing errands when you live in manhattan oh i want to live in manhattan no i know errands not in manhattan are so yeah, they're tedious. Dreary, they're absolutely <laughs> dreadful. They're absolutely <laughs> dreadful. 
Um, what does she eat? I, I mean, eat. she's being so like, I never die, but obviously she's so insane in portions and like has this whole thing about being like, I entered college at 106 pounds. When I came out, I was 126 pounds. Yeah. Well, I'm back to 110 and I'm writing this. It's like. Oh, and then she's just like, and I can't wait to tell that like fat girl who called me fat like in college that like yeah. I'm thinner than her now. I mean, I think she's very every like just normal person just being like, ooh, I'm like, now I feel fat, so I'm going to eat less but i'm still doing like roast chicken at home and it's very doing roast new chicken. recipes in the new york times obviously she's got the times on an ipad on in every room every single room and I, like she's like you know calling restaurants you know the famous china pearl restaurant for their or you know their lemon chicken i looked it i up. looked at the recipe i looked up the restaurant it closed in 2022 oh we well, lost so many restaurants we, 2022 but i think we should compete oh. or maybe we could do it together to make the lemon chicken does look pretty complicated. Okay. You have to like fry it in like water chestnut flour. Oh my goodness. And I'm goodness. like, okay, now we're shopping for water chestnut flour. <laughs> they don't have that in a The one where they shop for water chestnut flour. Okay, yeah. I mean, I love the idea of us making this competitive lemon chicken. How does she live? Um, I think there's definitely a Buddha in there. Absolutely. A I, few. Yeah. And there's like a fun pewter elephant from Ooh. a trip to India. There's a fun well, oh, yeah, there was wooden this... like cheetah from the one time to went to Africa. She's not going back. They She's don't have a hairdresser. Back. Wait. Um this books, is books, like books, 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 and papers. Back in the day, but this is when she's talking about um, changing her style. I immediately got divorced and gave my husband all the furniture and began to make a study of Lee Bailey. I bought the chairs he told me to buy, the round dining room table that seemed to be part of the secret. She like gets white plates. There's a period where she like gets a little more preppy. And like it's beige furniture and like throws out. Yeah. I owned a collection of brightly painted wooden Mexican animals. I had red plates <laughs> and a shag rug. Um, and then she like throws them out. So I think she does do like fun renos where she is like well, going is to Zarin's and getting different. This is why I do want to throw out my furniture yeah. and get new stuff. I also, this book made me want to get divorced. Oh, I know. The way she mentions it so casually is so fabulous that you don't even know which divorce she's talking about. I know. It's like, if I'm not on my third marriage by the time I'm 60. This is the problem with our generation. Right. If this was back in the day, we both would literally be already divorced. be divorced at least once, if not. But twice. we're just saying our ex instead. I How know. How boring is that? Not to be like, well, after my first marriage absolutely fell apart. Yeah, I went to France and I threw out that rug. And now it's just be- it's just being like, well, I got rid of his old MacBook. he was a total mouse potato (laughs) (laughs) he was a mouse potato (laughs) okay who are you in the book I mean I'm not Lee Bailey because I don't have the round table no I think you're much more Nora Ephron post first divorce making a Brazilian yeah. National dish. And I'm like trying to find my Lee Bailey self, but you know, I'm 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 And you're buying seersucker napkins. Yeah. And you're posting the seersucker napkins. Yeah. I you know, I I think I'm on my journey, but I definitely like relate to all of her like, you know, New York media neuroses and being like, wait, I want to like be like this person, but I also want to do this thing. Right, but and I like... want to make this meal. 
I mean, it was just being like, I was just like scheduling my dinner party. I'm like, it has to happen. We gotta I mean, get the you're next one the less, like, I think I'm more, I'm making the Brazilian national dish and you're more buying the napkins and like calling Mr. Lee for his lemon chicken recipe. Like calling the famous restaurant. Oh, interesting. Or I think I'm being a little I'm more calling like, a lesbian bartender at Rolos, being yeah. like, "How did you make that like amaretto sour?" Yes, and I feel like I'm a little more just like, "Oh, I bought like a massive piece of meat, and I need to like impress people by this like Brazilian dish." <laughs> right. So I guess we're different Noras. Different Noras. Um, I give this book absolutely five out of five. I give it five out of five. It's by. Just, it's Bible. I'm, I'm sure it was. It really is Bible. I'm sure you can. I'm sure it's on your mom's shelf. Go grab it. Go home. Read it in a, in a few hours. It's cozy it's, up. It's a really beautiful. I, I literally I was so inspired. Also as a writer, as a writer. No, I, I was actually also inspired by her because she's being so writer. I, she well, but I, I, she's really really like. Um, she injects the personal in a way that is so, I mean, it is like a personal essay, but it's like, it just feels so natural and like unpretentious. She makes writing look easy. I went, but I, I literally, after we finished this last night, I went back and I like completely rewrote this piece that I've been working on. Um, and I was like, I put a lot more of myself into it, mm. but it was actually, I felt like it was, it didn't feel forced at all. And it felt like natural and the piece got like so much funnier. And I just like, I was so much happier with it. It was like completely inspired by Nora just being like, you can just like say this and it doesn't have to be so like, and then the academic parts will sound even smarter because you're just being like, yeah, this is the idea. Like, let's just be funny and come at- be real. She has like a really, really straightforward way of writing that. Well, and I think that's the rom-com in her because yeah. of the way like rom-coms are formatted. It's not all this. Let me prove myself. But you, it gets to the point. But but your observations can still be wildly profound. Well, even that's what I'm saying. The way people language. are like, oh, yeah. a rom com isn't profound when actually it's just it's already in there. It's like more subtle. Exactly. Sometimes I mean, when Harry Met Sally is such a brilliant meditation on desire, and I think it gets to so much like so many people's like real anxieties and neuroses about how they're perceived and how they want to be perceived. It's just like. And it's not like... It's funny because in my class right now that I'm taking, literally all we talk about is when Harry met Sally. Wow. I mean, that movie is like structured up the hill. Yeah, it's a structured boots. So. Well, that's wonderful to hear about your piece. Maybe you can tell me about it at a dinner party. I'll invite you over. Yeah, we'll see if I get invited this time. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Guess this is really tw- tight. I have to invite Hannah Goldfield, <laughs> so you might not make the cut. Well, actually, maybe me and Hannah Goldfield are beginning like ramen somewhere like in a neighborhood you've never even heard of. <laughs> okay, over and out, best. Best. <laughs> frantically texting Hannah Goldfield. Hey, Hannah. Hey, Hannah. <laughs> Weird question, what are you doing this week? (laughs) Yeah, wait, so crazy. My week week is super free. (laughs) Um, My Thursday just opened up. Celebrity Book Club is presented by Prologue Projects, who was my accountant for years. The show is produced by my first husband, Benjamin Frisch, with editorial support from his wonderful brother, Leon Mayfalk, Andrew Parsons, who actually wrote the most hilarious novel in 1972, Arlena Revelo and Madeline Kaplan, who has a lemon 
chicken a la almond recipe that I have been serving for years. Our production manager is Persia Verlin. We, well, we were very close until the rule of ones happened. I slept with her first husband. I didn't think it would break us, but it did. Original theme song by Stephen Phillips Horse. He's playing at the Carlisle this week. Artwork by Teddy Blanks. I just sold my Teddy Blanks while I was redecorating, but he's an amazing artist. Anyway, he's at Chips NY. Follow us on the Bird app, Twitter, and Instagram. My niece is teaching it to me at CBC The Pod. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review and don't forget to tell your friends lovers, peers about us and don't forget to go to patreon.com for access to the VIP Lounge our exclusive bonus podcast how fun is that? With lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere Dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. <sighs> Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.